Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Jamie Mendelson. Jamie, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Excited to be here. Yeah, excellent. Let's 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 go. Jamie is the EVP of the Asher Group. They are focused on life insurance settlements, doing valuations and trust asset reviews. I'm excited to have you on. Jamie, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. I appreciate the question. I am based in Orlando, Florida, although I spend a lot of time also in Bozeman, Montana. Um, I've worked with Asher for close to 15 years. My family actually owns the company. So, um, you know, it's a, a company that has been in business for close to 20 years. We are focused on working with advisory teams and policy owners around the country to value their existing life insurance assets. Um, you know, this space has been a wonderful space for me. I've enjoyed the opportunities to work with uh, policy owners and um, insurance specialists, wealth managers, attorneys, CPAs. Um, I do a lot of traveling, so there might be times I, I see people who are attending this podcast around the country. I speak all over uh, the country as well for state planning councils and, and different financial services type conferences. A little bit about me. I like to, to fish and travel and spend a lot of time um, doing that in my, my free time. I love it. What do you fish for, Jamie? Um, usually trout. So I spent a lot of time in Montana. COVID was was good along those lines that uh, we were able to um, spend some time fly fishing. I'm going to Alaska at the end of the month, so I'm excited about that. That'll be for salmon and, and trout as well. So do some deep sea fishing and flat fishing, but um, spent a lot of time on in the office or, or on planes. So don't get to do it as much as I'd like to. I love it. I don't love that you're not able to do it as much as you'd like to. I love the fact. <laughs> Thanks for correcting yourself there. I appreciate that. Like, wow, that was really mean, George. Jamie, we uh, talked about the potential of this. So anyway, so give me, if, 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 if you would, provide us with sort of the lay of the land when, when, when it comes to life settlements or maybe one step back what, what life settlements are. Sure. Let's start start baseline. So a life settlement by definition is the sale of an existing life insurance policy for an amount greater than the surrender value, but less than the death benefit. So when you think about the life settlement option, or when you think about the life settlement asset class, which is we're going to talk a little bit more about today, really think about it the same way you think about um, other ordinary property. So the same way you can sell real estate, art, and jewelry in an open market, you can sell existing life insurance policies in an open market. And that transaction is called a life settlement. So as we're going through the discussion today, um, it's really thinking about life insurance as property. And the same way you would approach, again, other ordinary property like real estate, art, and jewelry that before you'd make a decision on what to do with it, you'd understand the value. That's what we help clients do. And then once you know the value if the decision is made that you want to sell that life insurance policy, that asset, Asher represents sellers in the sale. We go to market, create the auction, and then negotiate a sale price for the policy based off this competitive bidding environment. So I think you could compare it to if you imagine 
maybe if you've watched uh, movies or TV shows that have that auction process with the paddles going up when you're selling this kind of hard to value asset. That's really what Asher is doing for life insurance policies. We create this auction. We get um, different institutions, both domestic and international, to bid and compete for the purchase of that policy, which results in the life settlement transaction. Fascinating. So why would why would I sell my life insurance policy? Yeah, so I think it's really when the opposite of why the life insurance would was put in place happens. So maybe you're selling a company or someone's retiring, so you don't need that business insurance or the key person or the split dollar policies. Other times you're in a situation where maybe a you're going through divorce and you don't need the life insurance policy anymore for the protections it was put in place. Some of the clients we work with um, through planning have created some pretty complex structures. Um, and when the plan has been you know, completed or, or is felt to be sufficient, they wanna unwind those. Um, but it's just like any other kind of asset sale. Say you bought an expensive watch and you made the decision and you no, no longer wanted it, or needed it, you were moving on to something else or, or a different watch. You know, similarly with life insurance, you know, something happens, you no longer need it, want it, can afford it. But before you just give it back to the carrier or throw it away, you know, advisory teams work with Asher to value it. And then if that value is greater than what you can give it back to the carrier for in a surrender, or just lapse it or throw it away for, you know, then Asher will go and negotiate a value for that policy that is a better option than those other alternatives. So it's, again, you know, a different exit strategy than surrender lapse or maybe reducing the face. And clients are doing that when their needs have changed or their ability to afford the policy has changed. Um, one last thought on that as, as we're kind of talking through it is what we see quite a bit of is that people are living longer than expected. So one of the services we provide is also about longevity or life expectancy and how that can affect planning or kind of time horizons on investments. Well, life expectancy also impacts life insurance, right? The how much for how long. So many times people are now living well into their 80s or 90s, which they never expected to, or the trustee didn't realize, you know, the insured would live so long and doesn't have the funds to pay the premium. So those are times too, where the policy, you know, people live so long, it's not needed, or maybe they live so long, and it's just not affordable anymore to continue to pay, you know, that premium or required obligation. Interesting. So do most policyholders understand this? Or is it more the advisor is helping the policyholder understand it? Um, usually there's an advisory team involved. Um, you know, a lot of policy owners, whether they're individuals or trustees or businesses or charities, they're sophisticated in, in their own business and their own maybe planning. But the life settlement option is, is such a niche option. It's not something that occurs a lot that many times the consumer, the policy owner is unaware that this option even exists. So many times it's the advisor that's educating or informing their client that it exists. I will say there's quite a bit of advertising going on right now about the life settlement option, that it is creating awareness. So I fly all over the country usually um, a few times a month. And it used to be I'd sit next to someone on a plane and they'd say, I've never heard of what you do. You know, why don't I, why haven't I ever been told about this option? You know, for helping to fund maybe 
of relatives, long-term care needs, this idea of liquidating life insurance or for businesses, liquidating the life insurance asset to buy inventory to help the pop, the company grow. So it impacts people and companies a lot of different ways and they used to never know what it was. But through advertising and some marketing that's going on, I think COVID really kind of ramped that up with people being at home or being watching TV more or, or playing online, spending more time <laughs> online and seeing the advertising that now people seem to be aware of it, don't really understand it, which makes sense because it is such a, yeah. a unique opportunity for, for people or companies. But, you know, it's growing in awareness, but really a lot of education is still needed that this option exists. It's super interesting. Um, so are, are we talking about a permanent life insurance product that has a cash value or does this also apply to term insurance with no cash value? Yeah, that's a great question. It actually applies to all policy types, so from your term to your universal life, uh, even whole life. However, the majority of the buyers in the market that are buying, they're most interested in universal life policies. So whether that's the permanent universal life policy that has some cash or very little cash in it, um, or term policies that are still convertible to a permanent product. Those are probably at the highest demand in the marketplace. That being said, right now I'm under contract on a non-convertible term. So when you when that option's viable, it's usually because, you know, the insured is either older or young with some significant impairments or shorter kind of life expectancies because non-convertible term can be very expensive. So when you think about the market and which policies will be viable or which clients, when you think about it, think about it as in terms of more of like how much for how long. So the how much is what's that ongoing premium? The how long has everything to do with life expectancy. So on a term policy, for example, if the premium's going up significantly for that policy to be attractive, you likely need a shorter life expectancy to counterbalance that expense. So really good question. I always say just reach out to your advisory team or a broker, you know, a seller's representative, and just ask before you materially change, throw away or give away a policy to find out because all policy types have their place in the market. And based off these different kind of discount factors or variables, um, all of them can potentially be interesting to capital, although your highest success rate is usually universal life policies on insureds probably over the age of 70. Interesting. Well, that certainly does make sense. All right. So we've got, we've got, let's just assume that I'm 72 years old and I've got yeah. a universal life policy. And I say, you know, I don't even know why I have this thing anymore. Sure. I call the insurance company, the death benefits a million dollars and there's a hundred thousand dollars of cash value or a surrender value of a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. The insurance company okay. says, well, George, you know, you can just stop paying it and we'll send you a hundred grand. But instead of just doing that, I call you, Jamie, and you say, well, let's let's go through evaluation. And just to use round numbers, you say, you know what? I think, George, that your policy is probably worth $150,000 or something like that. So instead of me just stopping paying the premium and getting 100000 I work with an organization like Asher, and you take my policy, value it, and then go through this bidding process and potentially could get – that's a random number. I appreciate it, but a value more than I would have just gotten from – canceling the policy or surrendering or whatever language that, that, that we're using. 
Yeah, I couldn't have actually said it better myself. I might take you on the road with me. That was job well done. Um, But that's exactly right. I mean, we're usually selling policies on average, I'd say between 10 and 40% of the face amount on average. I've sold policies at 2% of face. Based off those factors, the how much for how long being the most influential, we've sold policies at 70% of face or higher. So your example where you have a million dollar policy has 100,000 of surrender value, but the market created an additional 50,000 over that surrender value. So that I think is a pretty common example. The market has to pay more than the surrender value for the life settlement to be a viable option. And again, it averages about 10 to 40% of face. Obviously the surrender value in the policy impacts that, that percentage as well, but you know, the market is looking at the asset compared to, you know, the original policy owner and saying, what am I willing to pay today, knowing I'm going to have to pay premium into that policy for a healthy 72 year old, likely another 15 to 18 plus years. So that influences the value. So it's kind of like a seesaw. The more expensive the policy, the more impaired the insured needs to be to make up for that high expense. Your ideal scenario is a very inexpensive policy with a very short life expectancy and then the higher the value the market will pay for that policy. Um, but all policies fit the market. Your 70 plus year olds by age alone kind of fit the life expectancy requirements. Um, but that's a the, the example you gave is really perfect. It's this idea of will the market pay more than what the carrier will give you. And when it does, I mean, I wouldn't walk over, in this case, $50,000 on the sidewalk. And that's a lot of time what people are doing with their life insurance policies. They never explore this market. They're just giving it back to the carrier and taking that value. Yeah. Imagine if you used a developer for real estate and you bought a house and the original developer said, if you ever want to sell this house, you have to give it back to me and sell it back to me for this amount of money. You'd be like, that's crazy. I want to go to an open market. If I ever want to sell my house, I'm not going back to a number you're just arbitrarily giving me. Well, that's what's been happening for decades for life insurance policies. But now this marketplace, when I say now, it's been in this regulated market for over 10 years, over almost 15, 20 years, actually, um, when I think about all the states that are regulated. Um, you know, That option exists, this competitive market to pay more than what the carrier might give you. Fascinating. How often are people turned off or stopped by the concern or fear that somebody is going to try to kill them? You know, we hear that occasionally, but I will say that that has really lessened over time. This is a highly regulated marketplace. The departments of insurance and financial services around the country per state are regulating this transaction. Um, So by working with, again, a firm like ASHA, I can speak on our approach. We're only working within that regulated marketplace. We're only negotiating and selling policies to institutional capital. We're not selling them to, you know, John Smith, Jane Doe, or to a bunch of individuals. We're working with private equity hedge funds, pension funds, you know, and sometimes, you know, I will compare it that if you have a client that you sell a lifetime annuity to, you're not worried that the carrier is going to obviously have some alternative motivations for that person to pass away early, right? I wasn't concerned until right now, Jamie. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
<laughs> but no, I think it's something that that through regulation, through working with, you know, again, um, professional firms that provided due diligence on any of the buyers, you're mitigating out a lot of those concerns uh, of only working with with institutions, not not the individual. Makes sense. <laughs> I don't know why I think that that's funny. It's not funny at all. In fact, it's the opposite of funny. The thought that somebody would try to kill me to cash in on my life insurance, Jamie. Anyway, it's not funny. No, not funny. You, you, you've, you've done a great job explaining it. I don't know why I'm making jokes. Jamie, the people are ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? No, you know, I think the biggest takeaway that I try to make sure people have on any of the discussions or presentations is really you know, taking that extra step of treating life insurance as an asset. Really think about it the same way you think about your real estate, your art, your jewelry. Um, understand the value before you make any decision on what to do with it. You know, we've seen people where, you know, the liquidity event from a life settlement really impacts their life or their business. We see others that didn't recognize that it had value and walked away from tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars. So talking about the life insurance policy with your advisory team, making sure every year that you are requesting a current illustration, so a current ledger that shows the ongoing premium requirements to carry your policy to say age 105. I think that's a, a, a planning tip that I would recommend because sometimes these carriers, unfortunately, um, stop being available, stop being able to, pardon me, or willing to provide illustrations specifically like you might need. So treat life insurance as an asset. Make sure you kind of hit pause before you do anything to materially change uh, the policy would be my recommendation. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come on. Come on. Jamie, right. thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can they engage with you and the Asher Group? Oh, wonderful. You can visit our website at ashergroup.com, and that's A-S-H-A-R-G-R-O-U-P.com. It has a lot of information. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, you're welcome to shoot me an email uh, or call my cell phone. I'm again in, in Montana. We're working remote these days. My cell phone number is 407 782 3600, or my direct work line is 321 441 one 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 nine. So feel free to reach out to me or a member of our team. Uh, there's a lot of information out there. We have all types of articles um, that were written for Trust and Estate and Tax Advisor and other magazines and journals that are available um, to you and to your professional teams to learn a little bit more about the market. So I appreciate uh, the opportunity of speaking here uh, with you all today. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jamie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to ashergroup.com, A-S-H-A-R group.com. Contact Jamie on LinkedIn or give her a call, shoot her a message. Thanks again, Jamie. All right. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.